Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, hello and welcome to the bullpen. We're coming at you live with Curtis from Curtis Podcast Network and Tom, as per usual. How are y'all doing today? What's got what's up? Doing well, man. Just uh, thrilled to be here. Um, just uh, ready to talk some Texans ball. All right. Likewise, really looking forward to all the news, any of the news. We're, we're, we're at the point in the season and the offseason where we're, we're searching any and all tea leaves that we can to see where guys are going. All right. I'm excited to get it started. And we'll start with the main topic, which is Saquon Barkley. And I want to start with a recent post that I made on Instagram and Twitter that kind of kicked off this off-season tradition, if you will, at least in my mind, of looking at who players are following on Instagram and seeing, does that mean anything? I mean, what are, what are y'all's thoughts? So, so Saquon Barkley is following uh, Brevin Jordan, Tank Dell. Those are the players that really piqued my interest because he before he was following Nico Collins, uh, CJ Stroud, and, and JJ Watt, who obviously is not currently a player, but all the Texans themed things, but I, I mean, Brevin Jordan, come on. Like there's, there's gotta be something there. Do you make anything of, of who Saquon's following? Tom, I'll let you jump on that one first, brother. I really think it's much to do about nothing. I think it's interesting for us. Do I think it moves the needle for them? I mean, I don't know. You know, like, like it, it would almost be too obvious, right? If he's like, Oh, I better start following these guys. 
For me, the only time I really take any stock into any social media activity is when a player wants to scrub it. When he scrubs himself of all whatever team, no matter what sport it is, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, that's when you know there, there's some something's happening. Um, I think when a guy's going into free agency, that's always uh, uh, pretty much a telltale sign that he's made up his mind. I think when a, when a, when a guy's unhappy, that, that kind of lets you know they need to move him. But as far as somebody like, I don't know, kind of being courted and, and now following guys like that, I wonder if, if you know, they chatted up now that they didn't do it before. Hey, tell me about this or hey, tell me about that. When I think about what, what, what you pointed out, that's more kind of what I'm curious, you know, if they're interested in Houston and kind of doing some homework, but don't know. To me, it is all homework. It is all everybody trying to feel the landscape for what's out there. You want to get in touch with people who know this place intimately. So, I mean, in that sense, that's probably what it is to me. But I also follow LA Knight on uh, on Twitter. So next thing you know, I'll be a tag team champion. So <laughs> let's get that rocking and rolling. But um, nah, look, Saquon. Saquon's one of the more popular guys in the league. It's 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 kind of a, a, a given that he's going to follow most anybody from any team. But it is kind of interesting that he's found quite a niche Texans players market to like ask all these questions to, um, especially considering like Brevin Jordan, who like before, like the last like six weeks of last year was still a roster bubble kind of guy, but um, not very interesting. I God, it'd be nice to have him in Texans colors. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? I mean, God. I've equated him to what uh, Christian McCaffrey did for the 49ers. I mean, I don't think he's on that scale. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is just a, a next-level running back, but that, that's what the Texans are looking to do. I can see why some Texans fans are hesitant on it with his injury history where he's at in his career. Um, I think some older Texans fans, um, and, and I, 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 I grouped myself in there, even though I wasn't very old at the time, saw that the signing of Ahmad Green... And and you know then watching him basically not fulfill what the Anything. Texans wanted him to do uh, and and then <laughs> seeing the trade for David Johnson who then didn't really result I mean I don't think any I don't think there were very many Texans fans that saw David Johnson coming in for uh, in the DeAndre Hopkins trade and thought oh wow that guy's really gonna jumpstart this offense but there's just been a couple times where like an older running back comes in and the Texans does don't really get what's expected so I. I understand why there's a lot of Texans fans that are trying not to maybe overhype this and are trying to kind of, you know, rein it in. But at the, at that same time, there is a need to address running back this offseason. And personally, I think if you want to make a, once you have a player like CJ on your roster, you got to step out there and you got to you got to make a splash. You got to make that effort. And with all this cap space and everything that's going on around the Texans, you know, draft capital, everything is set. To, to set the table for CJ to lead this team to something special. Uh, I have in mind a Super Bowl when I'm t- talking about that. And so I think that Saquon is ideally the guy. There's other running backs in the market that would kind of fit that, you know, big splash signing that I'd like to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, I'd like to see it. Um, also, I mean, to speak to the scouting aspect, a lot of people were like, oh, I see CJ out there at the Pro Bowl scouting, doing his thing. And, and the networking aspect of the NFL can't be undersold. 
And so that networking aspect also happens on the internet. And so I, I wouldn't say there's nothing going on when we look at who players follow and who and what they're trying to do from that perspective. I think there's something to be had from it. Do I think that because Saquon suddenly follows all these Texans players that he's 100% going to be in Houston this next season? Um, that, that's yet to be seen. There's only reports that the Texans are interested in a running back. They haven't linked him to or linked the team to anyone specific. But um, with that in mind, a, a lot around that discussion kind of uh, revolves around team needs, what the team needs to address. And um, when I look at other areas of the roster that are in need, um, you know, th there's a few that come to mind. But then I, I look at the Texans receiving core and I go, this team could afford to add a receiver. Um, it's probably not the largest need that the team has, but if, you know, I constantly, I, I feel like I don't even have to preface this. If anyone's ever listened, I constantly refer to the Bengals receiving room as like my, you know, comparison for this. But when the Bengals forewent drafting a, a tackle with that top five pick to take Jamar Chase and super, you know, for years they had, you know, Jamar Chase, uh, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. And that's a receiving core that really like, jump-started Joe Burrow. So when you look at it, I don't think there's anything wrong with using premium draft capital or a, I, I don't want to say a significant amount of the cap space, but a, a large chunk of the cap to get a receiver. Am I wrong in thinking that? I mean, it, it all depends on how much you think the, the let CJ Cook thing is going to be the thing going forward. Obviously, if you want to be balanced, you, you want that premier running back you want you want to have you know the the opportunity to just line up and hand the football off. If you want to lean into what C.J. Stroud can do and move the ball around and have all, all the options for him to be able to be great, a la Joe Burrow, because I don't feel that the the, the Bengals' run game is anything crazy. I, I I I'm not dogging Joe Mixon, but I just don't. He's not in that tier with Saquon. I wouldn't even really put him in a tier with Devin Singletary personally. And it's basically that offense revolves around the pass game. So if you want to build your team that way, then yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to go about it. For me, I think the Texans want to be able to be balanced. I think when you look at what the Niners are able to do, I know that's kind of like the, the mold because that's where all these coaches came from, right? They're going to want to be able to have a, a guy that is very versatile in the backfield that can, that can be counted on to, you know, shoulder the load and, you know, kind of like be able to catch the ball, I think, in the backfield as well. So I, I don't I don't know. The, the short answer is I don't know. The one question I was going to ask before you you got off into the wide receiver thing, and and Curtis, I'll definitely let you answer that one. But um I saw I saw a tweet today by uh Texans Cap. I don't know, I'm sure y'all follow him. He was talking about an unpopular opinion that he has is to take two of the lesser tier guys or, or Singletary and like a Swift as opposed to going after Josh Jacobs and uh, Saquon Barkley. And what do y'all think about that? I don't, I don't love it because I feel like going out and paying two running backs that you could pay one seems a little silly, but that was his idea. I mean, All right. I mean, Curtis, what do you got? Let, let, let me answer the wide receiver question, then I'll come back to that one. Okay. All right, wide receiver question. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be upset about it if they drafted another wide receiver. 
But I think now, like coming into this offseason, this entire offseason, John Mechie has the perfect chance to get all the way back. Um, he was not all the way back last season. He was all the way back from the ACL. But the leukemia took a little bit bigger of a toll on him than a lot of us were really willing to give it credit for. Um, he did kind of come on a little bit in at the end of the season. I think Mechie could develop. It's maybe not something you want to put a lot of eggs in the basket for, but uh, I think Mechie still has some upside that we have yet to really see the peak of. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if we brought in somebody uh, to shore up the wide receiver room at all. Um, and then to the running back question, that was actually kind of my thing. I think John Hickman of Locked On Texans had actually said something similar or something along the lines of he was out on the Saquon Barkley thing. And I was like, Saquon would be nice, but I feel like Casario, historically speaking, gives out money to people who have already performed in a Texans uniform. And with very, very few exceptions, has he ever just handed a lot of money to somebody who has not performed lately? Uh, Robert Woods is the one big exception in my mind where we gave him two years, $15 million, and he hadn't really done anything in a couple years. Um, but I, I could see a swift Singletary combo because if I'm paying one running back you know, $15 million a season, and instead I can get two running backs, uh, well, running backs get hurt a lot, and they're definitely going to miss some time, and I'm definitely going to be okay with uh, if Swift is the lead guy or Singletary is the lead guy, the backup being, you know, not too far off the same caliber. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, I guess. So what I'll say is this. I, I was watching that string of tweets from Texans Cap, and another thing that came up was his projected number for Saquon Barkley, which was three years, $27 million, um, with $15 million guaranteed. And so if you're telling me, that the options are between uh, let me let me do the math real quick but that's about a little over 8 million a year for Saquon Barkley something like that it's like or nine. it's 9 million yeah okay yeah 27 divided by you know me math was never <laughs> really my strong suit it's not mine either i just but yeah. I, you had a little more time to work on the equation than i did no um, <laughs> <laughs> um so $9 million a year for Saquon Barkley. Uh, obviously, I would expect that contract to be drafted in a way that gives the Texans an out um, for injuries and for, you know, if after the first two years, maybe they, they find a better thing. Um, but you're telling me, you know, getting what, what we know Saquon can be at $9 million a year or sinking the same amount of money into... Uh, you know, or ideally the same amount of, or less than the same amount of money, but uh, let's assume the same amount for DeAndre Swift and uh, Singletary. I think a lot of times two seems better than one, but that's the that's a case where I might want to bring one of the other two in, but I also might just want to draft like you know keep you know, you got Damian Pierce, bring in another guy to play the, the third running back in the draft or you know, even an undrafted free agent. I don't know what you want out of that but i'd say personally that i go with saquon when i'm comparing it that way now as saquon's price goes up the swift you know and singletary backfield looks a lot more appealing um once once you factor that in but that's just where i'm at on that i mean i don't know what about tom you 
do you, what do you think? I see. I kind of want the sexy, high priced guy for for a couple of reasons. One, I don't want to push Damian Pierce further and further away from the football field. If anything, I want him to spell whoever this guy is. I feel like that's a draft pick that they they. I think they want to invest in. I don't think, you know, one season, one season, you know, that was, I guess you would call inadequate, uh, should be the end of Damian Pierce just because we could go spend the money. Yeah. He's a cheap op- a cheap opportunity at, at, at RB2 with another year in the system, a chance to learn his role a little bit better. I, I, I want to see Damian Pierce. I mean, we've said it. I've said it. I'm a huge fan. Me too. Numerous podcasts. I think that guy could be something special one day. And I might be in the minority. I'm okay with that. But I would rather see them, instead of divided up against two guys, I'd rather see them go get Josh Jacobs, who's 25, or Saquon Barkley, who's 26, and and go to war with that. And then spend, instead of spending, like like you said, that's $9 million a year. Or if I get the other two guys, that's like 12 to $14 million, and that's five million dollars that I could be using on a defensive tackle, on an edge rusher, on a linebacker, on a safety. I mean, there's other places where you could spend that money and and it would be better spent than having a running back that, you know, may get five carries, ten carries, something like that. Yeah. I um I, I don't mind spending the sexy money, but I would prefer to lock up some other things first. There's some defensive issues, defensive interior. Uh, secondary because Jimmy Ward got hurt a lot last season. Jalen Petrie looked bad for stretches at a time. Um, Steven Nelson's a free agent. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tavier Thomas is a free agent too. So we have some holes that need plugging. I would like, uh, you know, it would be cool to have like a marquee running back that, you know, every time it's like CJ Stroud's face and then his face. But at the same time, if it means that we don't get, you know, somebody like DJ Reader coming back to Houston, I'm kind of out. Yeah, I mean, so a, a point that was brought up to me personally that that also kind of sells me on Saquon Barkley is that, and and you know, Singletary showed at at points to be, you know, have a certain aptitude at this skill, but as a receiver, Saquon Barkley is actually really good. Oh yeah. Um, and so I think that the receiver that you get in Saquon Barkley is, is reason enough. Like I said, assuming nine million a year for Saquon or like less, just a little less than that for, you know, Singletary and Swift, I, I go with, you know, Barkley. For, that's one of the reasons. But what I want to say about Pierce is, is I was actually watching highlights of the Texans Jaguars game from week three earlier today. And, um, and I'll tell you, I, I do miss the, the Pierce that was then I, that was a point in the season where I still felt like he could find it. And yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, okay, well maybe Singletary, like there was a point where it distinctly shifted and there was other Texans fans around me being like, Singletary should be the starting guy and Pierce should just be spelling him. And and I was like, that's not, Oh, and then, but that was a point where I didn't think that yet. And so yeah. I just wanted to bring that up. And also from the chat, rich X Nico, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, says, this is the uh, this will be Pierce's make or break season. If he has a repeat of last year, he's gone. I mean, it, it's the end of his rookie contract, right? I'm pretty sure this is his third year, right? Yeah. I mean, he might, uh, yeah, because my understanding of rookie contracts in the fourth round is that that's how that works. But I, yeah. I could be very wrong on that. 
So his whole value right now predicates on the fact that he's on a rookie contract. And, you know, so it's not really worth moving him. And his, his, most of his value is in that contract, knowing that a team knowing they have him under a rookie deal and maybe really liking his potential. So, I mean, I don't know, but you, you brought up a good point with, um, with that, Tom, I, I have to give you credit. That's a really good discussion. Um, looking around. So do you think that there's a receiver? So looking at free agency versus the draft, actually, sorry, looking at free agency versus the draft, uh, Curtis brought up a really good point about holes to fill with the first round pick as it stands. And you can explain it with whatever reasoning you want. Where, what direction do you think the Texans go with the first round pick based off of what you think happens during free agency? Hmm. That is a tough one. Um, based on where we're sitting right now, it'd probably be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like Cooper DeGene, um, from, what was it? Iowa, Iowa state, whatever that, um, it was Iowa. Then, yeah. yeah, Iowa. Um, but I mean, I would prefer, uh, was it, uh, the kid out of Texas defensive tackle Murphy Murphy. Oh yeah. He fell there. No, There's so man, many great options. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where I would go. If I was Nick Casario, um, keep a guy a, you're, in you're assuming that Steven Nelson's going to leave, right? You said that earlier, but yeah, I assume he's gone because he played pretty well and I think he's going to get bigger money somewhere else. Okay. No. Yeah. I, I don't think the Texans will pay whatever money he expects based off of how much he boosted his value this season. Yeah. But I don't know, Tom, Based off of what what you foresee going on in free agency, what's the first round pick? So if I'm if I'm saying I want the sexy running back, clearly I feel like the the draft is going to be focused on the defensive side of the ball. I think with D'Amico Ryan's being the the teacher that he says he is, wanting to you know groom a young defense and seeing the success that he had in San Francisco doing it. It makes more sense to me that they would go and draft some of these guys. Uh, you, you made a great point, Curtis, about all the holes they have on the defensive side of the football. And I think the draft is probably the best place for him to fill that to you know, add to the young talent that he's already got on that side of the football. So when we, when we talk about Steven Nelson, I totally have them drafting a cornerback at some point. When we talk about uh, edge or D-tackle, I totally feel like they could draft one of those in 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 the with the two picks in the fourth round or something you know somewhere in the middle there where they're yeah. able to uh, really maximize value somebody falls something happens like that and then spend the money on uh you know the the premium positions right edge rusher maybe I could see that running back where I'm talking about doing that wide receiver I could see that and uh, let let D'Amico coach that defense up. And then just give Bobby Slowick and, and CJ just the weapons that he needs to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, and that that plays into my answer to the the fact that D'Amico, the D'Amico effect in terms of developing defensive talent gives gives me reason to believe. So in my mind, there's there's really three options. And and you can hit screen record here if you want some content for you know later in the season. I'm about to say something that's very absolute and very easily thrown back in my face. Um, <laughs> you know, here when the Texans actually draft, but if the Texans take an offensive lineman with the, the 23rd overall pick, I'd be insanely surprised. That would be, to me, that's like, I, anyone who is mocking that, 
maybe just doesn't know that Titus Howard exists. Maybe they really think that you can find a left guard in the first round, which the Texans so far have found to not be true, but Kenyon Green does still have time to prove that wrong. So there, there's just too many pieces in the offensive line. I've always, I've said most of this offseason, my train of thought on the fixing the run game is, is that a lot of people think that the, the O-line is the main part of the issue. And the main part of the issue with the O-line was health. So when you look at the O-line and you look at what needs to be done to fix it, I don't think that there's a lot that I would, ex- I wouldn't expect the Texans to use premium draft capital. And I wouldn't expect them to use premium free agency money to, to lock up O-linemen considering I, I think they view their starting five as being in the building right now. So some people might not be happy about that, but the, the biggest thing that's going to fix the run game is going to be going after a, a premium running back or at least getting some help in the, in the running back room, some running backs that fit the scheme. And so with that, I think the three positions that the Texans could potentially take are defensive tackle, um, cornerback, or wide receiver. And and the reason I give credence to wide receiver as a potential is, is this is this is where the whole the Texans could bolster up wide receiver even though it's not a primary need and a lot of people's eyes comes into play. But I think that the receivers that project to be available at that point, Keon Coleman could be available. Um, Brian Thomas Jr. out at LSU. I mean, those are both guys that I think provide the the skill set that you need to complement what Tank and Nico do and could potentially develop into like high-level wide receiver talent that, that could help CJ perform for years to come. Understanding that in free agency, you're going to acquire that running back. So like, you're not going to fix running back through the draft. You could get depth at running back, but you're probably not going to fix it with like your second or third round pick. And so I, I tend to lean towards corner. That, that's where I'm going with it. Um, I, I would not be mad with any of those three selections though, but understanding that Steven Nelson and Tavier Thomas are likely not with the team. Um, I think it would be, wise to use the premium draft capital to get a starter at the cornerback position opposite uh Derek Stingley especially considering now the two things that I think can fix what the Texans pass defense missed on last year is a better pass rush so you have to hope that either Jonathan Grenard when re-signed continues to play at the level he does and get he, he maybe get even better um or that they shore up that side and then you can get a defensive tackle to improve your pass rush and then you set up, you know, when the pass rush improves, the pass defense improves. That's just how it, that's trickled, trickle down um, defense anomics, if you will, <laughs> is is to is to just, you know, bolster up your front seven. And then you don't have to have very good corners if the, the ball doesn't leave the backfield. I mean, that's just how it works. But yeah. um, the other part of that is, is if you really want to, you can you can make sure that you also still have really good corners for the times when the ball does get out of the backfield. So I don't have any problems with any of those picks. But like I said, corner is probably where i'm going <laughs> let's see voice got deep out of nowhere yeah that a very poor vocal control so that happens sometimes <laughs> sometimes i'm talking like this and then i drop dropped uh, yeah anyway thanks chat for pointing out my 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 deepest insecurity um, <laughs> um but yeah i mean i'm excited for this draft any thoughts on the second round it, while we're here best available Whatever that best, is. Best available. I, I feel like Nick Casero is going to try really hard in free agency to set himself up to be able to take best available all over the board. I hope that's what he does anyway. That way, if it, if it ends up being, like you said, where they get a wide receiver that falls to them or or they get um, a linebacker that falls to them that, that D'Amico loves, it's not plugging a hole like a definite need 
where it's like, oh my God, they have to go get a, a, a corner. You know, they can be selective. And I, you've seen it time and time again, whether it be Baltimore or whether it be um, Pittsburgh does it really well. They just draft the best available player and, and they fit. You know, whether, it's normally on the defensive side of the ball, but it, it, they always make it work where you see teams reach for needs and then three years later, that guy's out of the league. Yeah, yeah uh, it's got to be BPA. Um, there's, I'm not really even sure who's even like supposed to be mocked in that area. So I'm not, I can't speak to that, but um, yeah, BPA, he's got to go big in free agency. Uh, Casario's a man of many offseason talents. Uh, one of those talents being finding trades for guys who are seemingly scrubs. And then they come here and earn themselves a fat contract when they get some playing time. <clears throat> Blake Cashman. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think we'll be seeing a little bit of that. So I don't know that we're going to walk into the draft with the picks that we currently have. Um, I, I think there will be some wheeling and dealing done. Well, that's before the big thing that. too. Nick likes to trade. So I don't even think we're going to pick, like, I don't know if we're going to pick in any of the picks that we have right now. So I'm saying is like the dude is what I want to be when I'm a uh, an owner in Madden, uh, <laughs> like just wheeling and dealing at will. If I uh, trade back from the 32nd overall pick, I can get the 36th, and I can get the 85th. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or like More trade picks. back for a future first. You know, whatever. <laughs> I I um I think he's constantly playing 4D chess, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but for the most part, it does. It's just taking a little bit of time to kick in. Um, and Texans fans had to have patience with it. Yeah, which hundred percent, which is uh, a little hard after some of the seasons, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> a little hard, just a little bit. But Tom, I need to give you your flowers because you're the one who sparked the conversation throughout the season. The you know, we always said when we briefly talked about the draft, we we're not firm believers in talking draft before you know meaningful football ends. But when we did. Um, Tom was all about, you know, we got to get in the position, you know, good, great teams can, can draft best player available. Like that first round pick, sure. It's a need, but like after that, you're looking for guys that, that fit your team, fit your roster and, and, you know, make you better at other positions. I, I think that there's maybe based on Nick's average, I'd say there's maybe one or two starters that could be found in this draft, depending on how, how things shake out the first round pick should be a starter and the second round pick could be a starter. And that brings up. So when I, when I talk about filling the, that wide receiver need, understanding what tank and, and Nico are, I think in the second round is like the earliest you go. Maybe there's a good enough wide receiver available that you look into. I'd say that maybe Nick trades up from our, from our second round pick um, looking to take one of the wide receivers that slips through the cracks in the first round. This is a deep class. So even one of those guys that I mentioned being in the first round, is someone that could possibly slip into the second. So, but yeah, I mean, really it, it's best player available. We do have some updates from the chat. So KJ, the goat apologized for, for making fun of my voice and don't worry. It's okay. It's not that deep, but, but thank you for your apology. I accept it. Um, and then the next comment thoughts about Mike Evans. So how can we talk about free agency? Without talking about Mike Evans, Texans are currently second in line in the odds to sign Mike Evans just behind Tampa Bay. Um, it's looking like, and now this is just my 
um, tribal knowledge, just what's been being passed around on Twitter. I don't have any official confirmation, but we're looking at like 25 to 30 million a year for a guy who has been in the league for 10 years has been, I, I'd say his comparison. Um, I can say hall of fame comparison now at once, you know, this August hits, but I I'd say his comparison is Andre Johnson in terms of just sheer consistency and production. Um, that quarterback room has been shaky over the years, you know, outside of Tom Brady years and, and Baker's been pretty all right. But Mike Evans is a guy who will come in and he'll give you a thousand yard season. Um, I think that John Crumpler brought, brought up that him along with our, both receivers that are already in the room work about 30% in the slot, which means that you you don't really infringe on the, the receiver's abilities to, to play where they fit best, which all, all three of the receivers, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Mike Evans would all be best outside but can play slot, and it would give you that flexibility. But what are your thoughts? I mean, Mike Evans to the Texans, do you want to spend what right now is conceivably half of the available cap on Mike Evans? Oh, man. <laughs> it's hard for me to pay somebody in their 30s that kind of money uh, just because the NFL is just not a longevity league as, in, as much as it like seems like it for quarterbacks and punters and kickers. But, um, I mean, Mike Evans would be awesome if he comes in and brings what he's done to, you know, Tampa Bay. If he can bring that kind of production here, it's going to be – every penny is going to be worth it. But I don't know about half. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of cap space to be eaten up by just one guy, especially if we're also trying to bolster up running back. So under that's understanding that I think our cap is sitting at 77K right now, but after, like, off-season contracts or, like, the draft and all that, I think the adjusted cap expectation is like 55k or 55 million. Sorry, 55k. Wow, that's mm. not a lot of cap space. No. Yeah. So understanding that it's about half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Mike Evans is try. I think he's trying really hard to get this going. He was at a Rockets game, sat courtside, got interviewed. You know, said all the right things, but he's just been seen a lot. Did either of y'all see the Jameis Winston interview where he talked about Mike? I mm. saw the tweet, but I didn't get the chance to watch it. What oh, man, say? he's hilarious. So uh, Jameis Winston is, is a different kind of dude to begin with. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's well-documented, this guy. And he goes, man, Texas, Texas wide receivers are just different. They're just built different. And this dude's from Galveston. And, and I don't know if y'all know this about Galveston, but it's 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 about water. And guys that are around water, they're just they're just different because because water's moving and they could be moved. You got to go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. But he but he puts him on this on on a pedestal up here, rightfully so. But it's just it's hilarious to see James. I don't know if y'all been to Galveston, but Galveston, those guys, it's about water, and it just went into this whole thing. It's a it's a really really interesting take on why. Mike Evans is elite. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Curtis. I can't pay him. I'd love to see him in a Texas uniform. I think that'd be cool. If he wanted to take a hometown discount to try to win with C.J. Stroud, I would welcome it. Short of that, I am going to be more than happy to watch him sign wherever he signs and gets his bag, as he should, and move on to bigger and better things. My big thing is, is a, something that you spoke to a little bit um, with respect to to who plays in the slot. I, I know we talked about, uh, James, you talked about uh, Tank 
playing outside. And and while I believe he can do it, I think he's more dangerous in the slot. Being able to run those outbreaking routes, things of that nature. Our intro had him, I want to say, do a little uh, – I can't remember if he was in the slot in that one. So, so in the intro, I don't think we ran that intro today, but in the intro, it's the touchdown in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. Yes. And that is a that is a bunch formation, and he is actually the furthest outside receiver, I believe, in that formation. And the inside receivers draw off the coverage. There's a huge coverage snafu, and Jacksonville gives him wide open look outside for that. Because touchdown. I because I really feel like John Mechie needs to factor in. Curtis made a great point. This is the year that I feel like he figures it out. Second year wide receivers normally make the jump. This is technically, in my opinion, I think y'all's too, his second year. First year, throw it out, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. And then last year was really him getting his feet wet in the league. So now you take a season and a full off season, all the work, being able to really get with CJ. And I think he plays a lot more. So if he's in the slot, then Tank needs to go to that outside or they need to find somebody that can play that outside receiver. And that would be, for me, Mike Evans. But I'm, I'd rather draft it. I'd rather do that. The, the the money, the money there is just hard for me to spend. No, yeah, I mean, I I understand that entirely. Um, to to speak to Mike Evans, I I do think it's a bit expensive. I think that, as was said earlier, the the hometown discount would have to factor in. And I'm not even sure, like, just understanding, like, I don't know if there is a hometown discount that lowers that price enough for me to be like, oh, the, yeah, let's bring Mike Evans aboard. I don't even have a number in mind that I I'm like, Oh yeah, totally. Like, that's not to say that I don't want to sign Mike Evans. There is a number. I like, I just haven't really put much thought because I just know that it's too expensive as it stands. And I don't foresee it becoming inexpensive enough to bring him in. But, but to speak to your point, I mean, I, I, that's always been the biggest trouble is, is that you don't want to draft just a slot guy. You don't want to just sign a slot guy that takes up that spot and then have, you know, Tank and, and uh, Nico on the outside, and then that guy goes down, and it's like, who do you got? You you kind of want someone with that versatility. You don't want to just draft an outside guy because then now you're looking at at boxing Tank into the slot position when he when he is he is really good at both. He's not. It's not to say, one, saying he's good at one isn't to say he's not good at the other, which I don't think is what you were trying to say. But um, I I do think that it's important to add a receiver. But there, I think one of the reasons that we won't see the Texans do it in the first round. Is because there's there are that we might see the Texans do it in the first round. Sorry, is because there's so much nuance around it that if they see a guy they think is like the perfect fit for what they're looking for in another wide receiver, they might just you know take him in that first round pick or trade back and and see if he's available later in the first or maybe early in the second. So, um, looking in the chat, Galveston does have some athletes. That that's the general vibe in the chat. Um, and then also Mechie is going to be good. I feel like he had flashes last year or flashes this year. Sorry. Um, and then most recently, how much would we have to give up to move up to get Marvin Harrison jr? Hypothetically speaking. And I'll speak to that for a second. And then you guys can attack that topic. Um, if you, if you, if you'd like, but, um, looking at what the Texans did, I, I've been outspoken. The Texans did not give up three first round picks to move up from 12 to, to three last year. But I'll tell you this, assuming that the first two players off the board are quarterbacks and you have to move up to three to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Moving from 23 to three would take at least three first round picks legitimately on top of the 23rd pick exterior to it. So 
whatever the price is, the start the starting price in my head is already too much to give up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. When you can, I mean, I'd almost rather spend the money on on Mike Evans just to get that one season and then come back and and figure it out later. But uh, either way, I think both of those moves are just kind of wasting assets for the Texans. But I don't know. What are your What are y'all's takes? It's too much. It's too expensive. There's there's literally no logical reason that you want to give up four first round draft picks for one guy. Doesn't even matter that his daddy's name is you know in the Hall of Fame. I don't care about that. Uh, I don't care that he played ball with C.J. Stroud. It's too much. Like people were complaining last season that we traded too much for Will Anderson Jr. It paid off. But like we sent what five, five total draft picks, six. So technically speaking, the Texans sent a second round and a first round pick, and also a third round pick as compensation. And then there was the twelfth overall pick, which so in my mind, right? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but in in this trade, if we remove all picks but the twelfth and the third pick, and the Texans trade from twelve to three, that you can't count that as compensation in the trade that's pick swap. So then anything compensated on top of that first round pick is now what's counted as, as compensation for Will Anderson Jr. So in with that in mind, they gave up, I think they traded a, an additional fourth, they did a fourth round pick swap as well. And then they gave up a third and a second and a first. Okay. Okay. Valid. Valid. I stand corrected. But... <laughs> Still, people were like, that's too much. We traded too much for Will Anderson. We don't know what he's going to bring. It's going to be an avalanche of that comment on steroids and any other amount of like HGH you can think of uh, <laughs> if we do trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr. <sighs> uh, yeah. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. Knowing Casario, we're already having questions in our mind about if he's even going to spend in free agency it, you know he's likely to trade back i think in in any given draft so when we conduct mock drafts on mock draft monday for for the bullpen we we preface with like we know that casario is likely not even going to pick at this pick but like we are in our mock drafts and we're not going to trade even though it'd probably be pretty sweet to see maybe in the future we'll do a mock draft monday where we do trades just to see but some of the offers on the the service we use are just so obscene it's yeah. Like, here, do you want Micah Parsons in a second round pick for the number twenty third overall pick? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Of course I do. Yeah, I will, lock I will it up. take that. <laughs> lock it up. Let's do it. Send it. Send it yesterday. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, do you guys have any final thoughts before we kind of bring this thing to a close? Yes. Um, Steve Wilkes got fired from San Francisco. He also has a little bit of a connection through San Francisco with D'Amico Ryan's. Do you think there's room in the defensive coaching staff for him to come on and be kind of like what, um, like a defensive assistant? Like, uh, what was, uh, like Jim Schwartz did for the Browns a couple of years ago? Like a senior, um, advisor. Yeah, like a, there we go. Senior advisor. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I don't like Romeo, uh, or was it Romeo? Like Romeo. Did yeah. when he went from DC to head coach to, like interim head coach up to advisor, I believe was the path that he took with the Texans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I could a hundred percent see that. 
I don't think there's any reason to believe that D'Amico doesn't want experience in the room. Um, I, I think that what happened to him, to Steve Wilkes in San Francisco is criminal. Yeah. Especially, and it, and it's not a knock on D'Amico, but if you look at the stats that that defense put up, they're better than any defense that D'Amico was DC for in San Francisco to, to put that Super Bowl loss or to put any, any of the things that happened this season for the 49ers on the defense is just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, short-sighted and it's it and it's really blind sighted if you will you're just kind of turn it you're like putting your hands in front of the you know brock purdy and stuff and being like yeah okay and denying that there's any problem with the offense so i i don't know man but tom you got any final thoughts uh yes to to get back to the point that the chat was making regardless of what we think or what it would take it goes against everything that nick casario is like I could see him trading back. I don't. I can't see him trading up, just for the simple fact that while while I believe Marvin Harrison is a generational talent, that what you'd have to give up would would just not make any sense compared to what he gave up to move from twelve to three. Um, as far as Steve Wilkes, I would love to see that. I think that's a that would be a shrewd move for the Texans to be like, look, that's a, that's a, a defensive mind that's going to help us get better. And, and put him in there wherever, even if he's like an analyst, kind of like Matt Schaub is for the Falcons. So sign me up for that. And uh, can, can, can we get there already? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Dude, Can I we get there already? I'm ready to do uh, this now. I'm dying to get to free agency. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, so just to close out with the chat, um, KJ the GOAT, appreciate you guys. M1 Texans fans, always uh, looking forward to the podcast, Brody. Keep going. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate the love. Um, Rich X Nick O, uh, says, when is the next live good live fire emoji, which is always good to see unless of course it's bad to see, but I've never seen a bad fire emoji. So I'm, I'm appreciative of it. We try and go live every Wednesday, Wednesday evening, uh, around seven central time. We don't really, I, unless, yeah, we, unless something comes up that makes it a very rigid timeline, we're usually just kind of rolling into it. So just be looking around. 713, if you will. It's when we went live today, in case you didn't notice. Um, because we're we're H Town like that. Uh but yeah, if you're interested, I am at M1 Texans fan on social media, as you know, if you're watching on social media, because that's probably how you got to this. Um <laughs> Tom Tom is at Third Coast Tom on, on Twitter, although he likes to call it X sometimes. So just you know, you might not get the same answer from no, I'm just kidding. Um and then he is TC. Tom or TC Tom one, right? TC Tom one on Instagram. He's, he's still set to private. He's got big things in the works, but if you want to get in on it, I bet he'll let you into his Instagram life. And then Curtis, bring, bring all the good folks at home into, into where they can find you at. I'm also on X um, or Twitter, depending on what you give a shit about. Um, my, you can find me Curtis PD network. Uh, you can also find my YouTube channel on, on YouTube. Curtis's podcast network. We're actually going to be splitting off very soon and doing our own uh, Texans, Titans, Colts, and Jaguars podcasts. So be on the lookout for that real team in Texas podcast. All right. Sweet. Well, this has been the bullpen live. And uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, stay classy, Houston, and vamos, Texans. Vamos. 
Thanks for tuning in to The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen. Take the hand up. Stroud looking. 